Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Bring, bring it bring it to the- Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. Hello, I'm Dan from West Bromwich Albion, fansitebaggiesfacts.com. You can follow me on Twitter at the what's 22 or follow the website on Twitter, which is at baggiesfacts. Hello, I'm Jay. I'm editor of TheEaglesBeak.com, a Palace fan site by fans for fans. You can catch me on Twitter at TheEaglesBeak. And I'm also a presenter of a local community football radio show called Back of Net. You can get me on there at underscore Back of Net underscore. All right, thanks so much for joining us, guys. Up first, of course, we have Making the Rounds, where we each have a few minutes to discuss what's been happening at our clubs this week. We'll start with you, Dan. Uh, when we first started the call before we started recording, uh, you mentioned how it felt a lot like a win with the late goal by Rondon again. How are you feeling about the Albion at the moment? Well, um, slightly more positive, but of course I think that's just natural with the fact that we haven't lost in two whole games. Um, I I'm, there's still a lot of bitterness towards Pulis. I'm sorry, I'd like to come on here and be all like hippie hooray, you know, Albion are going to storm the Premier League and Chadley's going to win World Player of the Year and Rondon's going to finish top scorer in Europe. But it's the world isn't like that when you're a Baggies fan and I think realism just brings you back down to earth because you know that in the coming weeks we are going to lose games because we aren't the best team in the Premier League and along with those losses are going to be complaints about Pulis, of which I'll probably complain myself. And people are just going to... It's just not going to end until Pulis is gone. And I'm not... Please, please, please don't judge me as one of those horrible Twitter, you know, fan people that gets upset after one defeat and absolutely loves the club after one defeat. Cough, cough, Arsenal fans. You know, that isn't that isn't me at all. And... I've got a lot of perspective and I've seen what the club club is over years and I know what we are and I, I understand our position within the Premier League and I know exactly exactly what we want as fans and it's just, at the minute, it is just so frustrating and I've said it over and over and over again. Um, it's just so frustrating being a fan of a club where the fans, the supporters just can't agree on anything and there's just so much it's just so during the games we'll get behind the team and we'll do everything we can I'll always do that no matter who the manager is 100% sing up for for a, for a, for a football club but it's just in the pub after games and I suppose on social media as well you, you, you can't help but feel the negativity um, 
I probably don't help myself because just lately I have been focusing on some of the stats and they are so dreadful when it comes to being able to dominate a game once in a while. Like last season we had, I think it was three games where we managed 50% or more possession. Our best possession stats this season are 44%, which was yesterday's game. Before that it was 41%. Our possession stats even in the win last week against West Ham were 29%. And, and as much as as much as you don't want to focus on that, imagine being a, a supporter of a club that just cannot retain possession of the ball and cannot put two passes together a lot of the time. And it, when it goes wrong, it goes horribly wrong because you have to watch awful football and see your team lose. Of course, with a victory, you get you get goals. You know, it might be from set pieces or you know, but but at least you get some points and you get a win and you can maybe look forward to the next week I mean a 1-1 draw at Stoke Pulis' thousandth game and congratulations to Tony Pulis by the way that is no mean feat thousand games in football well done to him and he, and he's still at a fairly ripe young age you know I think he's 59 so he's still got plenty of years in him he might he might just God forbid get to 1500 bloody hell you know I just do, do you guys get what I'm saying, or or am I talking absolute garbage? Well, I feel like Jay might have an interesting take, considering he used <laughs> to be the manager there. Well, I didn't used to be a manager at Palace, but uh, Tony Pulis, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> um, so are you yeah. known for wearing caps and team-branded apparel? Uh, no, I don't. No, no, he, he wears a club shop, doesn't he? Is he still doing it at uh, West Brom? Pretty much, he sure no, does. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I mean, I have to say, t- Tony Pulis came to Palace, did a job. Um, but he left under very acrimonious circumstances, so he's not yeah. very well liked by Palace fans purely because he walked out on the club two days before. Now, it's still not particularly come out as to um, what happened, but obviously there was a, a bit of a court, you know, went to lawyers, legal, and, and Tony Pulis ended up having to pay Palace some money. So there's obviously something there which, you know, Pulis wasn't happy with and Parrish wasn't, but whatever, it's, it's water under the bridge now. So he, done a great, he did a great job for us, really, and I think... From seeing Pardew come in and playing more attacking football, which is what we've been seeing, yes, it is more exciting. But Pulis did sort out our back line. You know, he made he he got us he got us defending, which Absolutely. which is great, which is which is great. But I can totally see what Dan's saying because when we played against West Brom the first game of the season, <laughs> West Brom played with four big defenders. And yeah, long, it's, just couldn't. You know, it wasn't. You weren't playing with two fullbacks. You were playing with four centre backs across yeah. the back. And the longer the game went on, you can just see what was going to happen. And, and believe and, uh, it or not, Jay, that was one of our better attacking performances. You know, <laughs> Christ, that says a lot for us, <laughs> doesn't it? And, and, well, uh, I mean, yeah. that says a lot about. Um, that says an awful lot about um, how Palace struggle to beat teams that come to Palace and perform like that. It's happened for the last few seasons in the Premier League that, you know, I can name countless teams that have come to Palace, Villa, Sunderland have done us twice at, at Sellers, have come to get something out of the game and defended very well and we haven't been able to break them down. And that West Brom game was exactly it. And I think that's what you get with a Tony Pulis team. Yeah. Very hard to beat. And you were, and, and that's all, that, like, like I've said though, that's all, that's all well and good. But having to but watch how, it every how week... Yeah, yeah. And, How long and, and having to do that for it? two years, and yeah. and then you've got on top of that the fact that we're being charged. I know this is another completely different debate, debate but me as an Albion fan, this is important for me. We're being charged season ticket prices of, yeah. although we're cheaper than a lot of clubs, it is ridiculous, ridiculous amounts of money. 
Mm. And we all know that every single football club in the Premier League could probably slash all of their ticket prices in half and it would make absolutely, barely, it'd make about 10 minutes worth of negotiation over a football player's transfer deal in money. That's what. That's all it'd cost. And it's just so frustrating when you're paying the money. And, and that's another thing at the Albion. We want fans to come back to the Hawthorns. 22,000 in a home game where the away crowd has sold out and 22,000 being the number of tickets sold. So that's not the amount that was actually there. Because due to Premier League guidelines, they have to tell you how much of tickets sold as opposed to being there. So you might well have got a few season ticket holders that have stayed away from that game. So you're looking at 21-odd thousand for, for a home game in the Premier League when maybe 12, 13 years ago we was getting 28 every other week. You know, it just it's just the solution, unfortunately, going forward for us as a football club. If it's Tony Pulis, then... We might we might well be you know very bored and we might well get our Premier League status renewed every year, but it's just it's just mind numbingly boring and you know we're going to forever be last on match of a day and we're forever going to be hated by opposition fans. Not that that's what I care about, but oh. so, it's, a, yeah. it's, a very, it's a very fair point, Dan, because I think we'd have been in a very similar situation if he hadn't walked yeah. out on us. I, I think yeah. a lot a lot of fans are saying very similar things to you are, but then. He took us to finish in tenth in the table uh, that season. So, you know, our three se- as our third season in the Premier League. You know, it was no mean feat by doing that with a you know with a squad that we had. Um, and uh, yeah, I can I can completely see what you're saying because we're seeing very different football under Pardew, um, regardless of how we performed second half of the season. But different different means playing forward players in the correct positions and attacking occasionally, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Anyway, yes, I've, I've took up enough time on Pulis and Albion, so crack on, Kev. I do apologise. <laughs> no worries. Uh, we always ask a follow-up anyway. You just kind of asked it yourself. Uh, but now we will head on to Jay to talk a bit more about this Crystal Palace side. You go down 2-0 to Sunderland. Both Jermaine Defoe goals gasp shock. Sunderland score goals, and it's Defoe on the score sheet. Then Palace begin, uh, a dare I say, uh, epic comeback. Uh, how do you see this match? Well, I wanted to step back a couple of days actually before that because we went to Southampton in the EFL Cup, the rebranded EFL Cup, um, and we played a, quite a strong side actually. Um, and we come away from Southampton with Scott Dan out injured and Will Saha out injured, and then and a two 0 defeat as well. So kind of you know a real kick in the teeth twice, effectively really getting out of the cup as well as losing two of our best players um there's, there's no doubt about it so we were heading to Sunderland without our best defender Scott Dan who's out for a couple of weeks I think he will probably miss the Everton game next week then it's international break so he should be back um after pulling his hamstring and Will Saha had the same thing and Will Saha gives us a real different dimension to the team and and he going into the Sunderland game it was a lot of you know fans thinking you know we're going to miss those two players you know two two names on a team sheet which arguably would be the first names to go down on there so yeah, long trip Sunderland, as you mentioned, Kev, 2-0 down on the hour mark. The second goal went in. Um, I mentioned before we came on the pod that Defoe had a couple of chances. We gave Defoe a couple of chances earlier on in the game and he didn't take them. And you think, you can't keep giving a striker of that ability those chances. And regardless, we did. Um, a terrible back pass by Joe Ledley, who perhaps was put in a bit of a situation by Mandanda um, 
yeah, tricky little spot, but even from where Ledley was, um, he shouldn't have done what he did. Gave it to Defoe, and that was a chance. He didn't need a second opportunity to score the goal. So 1-0 down against Sunderland, who, to be, to be fair, they were appalling. And we pretty much dominated that first half. And going in half-time 1-0 down was um, kind of a bit of a shock, really. Um, so coming out second half, we started the second half really well. Very similar to the first half, very positive, confident on the ball. And it's thought it was only a matter of time before we got the equaliser. Then the sucker punch, an attack from uh, Sunderland. We didn't clear our lines particularly well. And then uh, Defoe again pops up, second goal, hour gone. But the best thing we could have done in that game was to get an equaliser within 60 seconds or so. And it was that man, Joe Dudley, who making up for the amends of that first goal, scored, uh, deflected goal. But, you know, you make your own luck, don't you, sometimes? Uh, I have to say, I'm not sure what Van Arnott was doing, sticking his foot out where he did um, to deflect the basket. But I, I guess the natural reaction when you're in that position. So, yeah, one, getting a goal back, 2-1 to Sunderland still. And you could see them visibly crumble from that point. They They just... You know, we we just went at them from that point on. Um, fantastic equaliser. Now, a much maligned fullback, Zeki Fryers, as you all know, Kev. He's been at Palace for a couple of years now. Hasn't mm. really got near to the first team. Had a few issues um, away from the pitch. Um, had a good pre-season, actually, with Palace. Um, he did. Came on as a substitute in this game. He hasn't. I mean, he played in the, in the Southampton game last week. Um, Pardew said a lot of good things about him, actually, about his attitude and how he's kind of fought back um, to, to make the squad this year um, for, you know, for the Premier League. And he actually came on. So the first thing he did was to take the ball around the fullback, um, straight down the line, pinpoint cross onto MacArthur, set at the far post, 2-2. Um, Sunderland, just their heads yeah, hit the floor, literally, from that point on. And I think that was about the 73rd minute. And we just kept on going, really, trying to get the winner. And it came in the 94th minute. And for the second week in a row, I just don't know why teams play zonal marking. I really don't. I mentioned it before the Stoke game last week. They played zonal marking. And it's actually killing Shawcross as a defender. Um, and this week, very much the same. 94th minute, we had a free kick right on the corner flag, which was, I mean, it was a crazy foul to give away at that, at that point in the game, really. Um, so Chunyon Lee comes on a substitute, one touch. He makes the assist for the goal. And Benteke was there unmarked. He had a maybe had five, six-yard run at the defence. Nobody picked him up. Header back in the net, 3-2. Ecstatic to get the win. But I have to say, we should be beating you know a team like Sunderland. They were appalling, absolutely appalling. And you know, Moyes alluded to it that he was disappointed with his players. But when you're telling players to do zonal marking and they're clearly uncomfortable doing it, then I think the manager has to take a fair bit of uh, blame for that. But hey, that's not our problem. You know, we fought back really well. You, you can't fault the Palace players really for that performance. You know, to find themselves two 0 down to react the way that we did showed real grit determination and considering a few only a few weeks ago that it was being mentioned that Pardew had lost the dressing room there was a lot of fire out there yesterday there really was you know the celebration between the players to get that you know the goal back obviously and then the second goal the equaliser was um what was a huge part of the game um but to see the players playing as they are as a together unit um after a you know poor start to season is um is fantastic yeah you mentioned some of those key injuries is it just going to be Delaney and Tompkins at center back and then Kelly at left back? Or do you think Friars, uh, even though it was largely just the assist, might get a, a chance at left back? Interesting one, yeah. I mean, I don't think, I mean, 
I think a lot of our problems, particularly for the goals yesterday, were because Delaney and Tompkins hadn't really had any time together. Yeah, training's one thing, but it's not the same as match day experience, is it? Um, Scott Dan is our number one, no doubt about it, and that's a massive blow to us. Should you know, having lost him for, as it turns out, only two games. So thankfully, um, he should be back after the international break because he is a. Um, I think I said it before. I'm not sure how he's been, not been called up to the England squad. He's been fantastic. But he forwards. wouldn't have been anyway. So <laughs> no, he wouldn't. No, not for this. Not for this. This break. But even even before now, um, particularly the first half of last season when Palace were playing so well in the top five in the Premier League, and you know other defenders were being picked above him who weren't even playing for their sides. Is is a bit. But that's another story anyway. But he's a big miss. Tomkins and and Delaney will be the two centre backs. That will be the pairing against Everton, no doubt about it, considering they're both fit. I mean, funny, funny enough, Tompkins went off injured against Stoke at half-time, knee injury. So what seeing Dan go off injured during a week at Southampton, we're thinking we've lost Dan and Tompkins. A little bit lightweight in the area. But for me, Martin Kelly is, is a, will be a good centre-back. He, he's built for a centre-back, not really built for a full-back role. But uh, he played left-back yesterday. And obviously, we've lost Pat Sorrow f- for that terrible accident he had uh, on the motorway a couple of weeks ago, broken his leg. He's had operation. He's going to recover. I'm not sure if we're going to see him this season or not so we'll 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 see but um obviously we lost him at left in a left back role so Zeki Fryers has a shot there really um it's going to be between him and Martin Kelly so if Martin Kelly's injured he went off injured yesterday um then I, I expect Zeki Fryers to come in and step up and uh, to be honest when he came on yesterday he um he did really well he, he did very well indeed and he's I think he's a much maligned player you know fans seem to like seem to pick players that they like to moan about you know he's not really had a, uh, made it through into the first team at Palace since he's come to us and a lot of people are saying you know, what's he even doing there sort of thing but it, it's it's nice to see it's a bit of a surprise you know we got you know it's like a new signing in a way because he's been at the club for a few years now um and uh it's starting to starting to show something and that I mean that cross yesterday was fantastic I and mean, we're giving the world a confidence no doubt but for me the right back slot Joel Ward is not really under pressure there um, and, and only through injuries, it's only going to cause a problem. Which you know, with Tompkins and Delaney, I think the other centre back is going to be Kelly if 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 we need another one in there. Um, but then obviously going to be short at left back. So Zeki Fries will have a shout, no doubt. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. All right, well, thanks for that, Jay. Now moving on to Tottenham. Uh, we had an interesting week. Uh, we played Gillingham midweek, uh, absolutely thrashed them, ended up being 5-0, could have easily been more. We played a lot of the kids. I think Josh Onoma looked very, very bright. Uh, Marcus Edwards came on, had a shot that he almost scored. He is so tiny 
but <laughs> he is very talented. Um, Mauricio Pochettino, unfortunately, mentioned that it's possible that Marcus Edwards reminds him of a young Messi. And this is like three days after I recorded a Tottenham segment for this very show uh, and said that we needed to calm down the hype. And the manager saying he reminds him of a young Messi is the opposite of calming down the hype. Uh, so that was a problem. But the rest of the kids did very well. I think Cameron Carter-Vickers looked very uh, in control at the back. Um, we, we conceded roughly zero shots on target, which is as few as you can get. Um, so that was obviously promising. Uh, Harry Winks in midfield, uh, he just has a lot of zip on his passes, which is something that we've kind of been missing. So excited to see how he gets into the fold. Uh, obviously, his development is what made us feel we could let go of both Mason and Bentaleb in the same window. Uh, so he he might not be there yet. I, I've talked to Safe multiple times about this off air. That this would be the perfect Europa League year for us. With all this young talent, they could get loads of minutes in the Europa League. Uh, but unfortunately, we're in this competition instead. Uh, it does look like we're going to play the kids. We drew Liverpool after we got this win. Uh, Pochettino has been quoted saying that he, he'd rather play uh, some of the kids rather than you know having to worry about Leicester, then Liverpool midweek, then Arsenal at the weekend, which is what the situation would be. Most likely all of those without Harry Kane, which just makes the task all the more difficult. Uh, but all in all, was very pleased. Erickson had two goals, uh, an amazing uh, first goal. He just thumped it above the keeper. Uh, Lamella, his technical skills are absurd. And Jensen got his first goal. It was a penalty. Uh, Erickson could have taken it to get his hat trick, but he said Jensen needed it more, which was evident. His, his body language was becoming very negative. Uh, despite being so involved in play and, and muscling out everyone, my, my favorite quote actually from the weekend match was... Uh, Vincent Jansen could hold up a bank with his back turned um, because he is just a, a physical presence. Uh, but anyway, he did get his goal as well. So fast forward to the weekend. Uh, the first half, we were tremendous against Middlesbrough. Youngman Sung gets another two goals. That's four for him on the season. Uh, two braces in the last three weeks. We knew that he was very good when he came over from Leverkusen. But he kind of struggled his first year. He had a plantar fascia issue. Uh, as well, but it looks like he's now finding his feet. For some reason, I feel like not enough people talk about how hard it is for wingers to transition to the Premier League. Maybe it's because we don't know why they do, but it just seems like all the high-profile wingers that have come into new clubs over the past couple years have really struggled at the beginning. Um, but Son now finding his form. You add that to Lamella's development and then all the other guys around us that have, you know were such a young squad, and, and we really could be imposing. I do think we need to pick which competition we're really going to focus on, just because our depth isn't incredible, but we can get to that <laughs> at a later date. Uh, as for this match, like I said, we had an amazing first half, but true to form, we have failed to put two good halves together in the same match. Um, Gillingham, perhaps the only exception, but that was mostly with the kids. That wasn't really the first team, so harder to feel amazing about that. Um, so we let Middlesbrough back into it at the end. Uh, another set-piece goal. We've still yet to concede from open play in the Premier League, but <laughs> I was talking to my dad about that earlier, and he was like, wait, is that good? <laughs> I was like, oh, right, yeah, that means we really need to tighten up on the set-pieces. Uh, but it is, it is a positive that we haven't conceded from open play, but um, the fact that we keep conceding from set-pieces is concerning. It could have been a foul on Sissoko, who was climbed over for the goal, uh, it looked like Lloris was delayed in his jump. I don't know if he was unsighted, if he thought the foul would be called, if he thought Sissoko would get his head on it to begin with. Um, 
But all in all, another goal conceded. We still have the best uh, defense. Sorry, so American. The best defense in the Premier League. Um, but we keep conceding. That's that's three clean sheets that we don't have because of one goal uh, conceded in, in those matches, which I think was Liverpool. And then obviously we did it uh, at the weekend and eh, someone else. <laughs> But anyway, we do need to tighten up in that sense. Even though we have such a good defense, we do seem prone to letting in the odd goal. And then obviously once, once Borough had scored, then they started feeling it. They started bombing forward a lot more. And they do have some talent. Uh, Jordan Rhodes was, was dragging Toby around a little bit more than we're used to seeing. Um, so anyway, fortunately we were able to hold on, get the three points, escape that one. Now it's on to Seska, uh midweek, but we'll talk about that in match previews. But sticking with Tottenham pretty conveniently, we're just going to drive right on into the topic because Mauricio Pochettino was asked about all these youth players and how they're getting their chance. I already mentioned so many of them played against Gillingham. And he mentioned that he would rather keep the youth players in-house where he can see them in training. Some of the best ones get called up to the first team training. He sticks around to see some of the youth teams and their training. And he just said he'd much rather have an eye on them than sending them out on loan. So my question for you guys is, would you prefer for your players to stay in the system that they're in, stay under the same coaching staff, have them develop that way? Do you think it's better for them to be sent out and get meaningful minutes? What What do you think is the best way to do that? And how does your club handle youth development? We've got plenty of talent coming through. And unfortunately, there just isn't enough room for us to be able to bed all of them in. And there might well be a lot of talent who are currently playing for, for their various other clubs out on loan who are probably as good, if not maybe even better, than the players that we've got currently in amongst first-team squad. Um, but it might well be a case of them having to mature a bit more, um, having to get the strength to play in the Premier League, which is extremely physical. And by playing in the lower leagues, that's certainly something that will come on and, and help a, a young player progress. Um, but I think the answer for me would be that you need to have a mixture um, and you also need a manager or a head coach that's willing to look at the youth team and, well, it's, it's now classed as under-23s, under-21s, um, and and be able to say, right, we're, we're going to give this player a go. And, and I think the key is that once you've done that, is to not just give them a go once and help and have them come in, in amongst training once or twice you need to do that consistently and allow them to, to grow in and around the team. Um, I think that's important. You need to involve them in match day squads. You need to get them in amongst the lads and, and you need to like give them game minutes. You need to give them time on, on the pitch. Um, and I know that's really tough in the Premier League and there's a lot of clubs that probably are a bit scared of doing that because of the cash cow that is Premier League football and you want to stay in the Premier League and often having young players who aren't always going to perform regardless of how good they are in their talent for various issues, maybe the psychology about playing in the top flight. And it must be hard for a young lad to come in and, and try and get themselves playing in amongst such experienced players sometimes. Um, but for me, at the Albion system, what we're currently witnessing seems to be, it, it really does seem to be working. Um, we've got Sam Field in and around the squad, um, a young lad called uh, Callum Wilson, a right back who's just 16, and he hasn't been loaned out. He's in and amongst the, the, the team training week in, week out. And of course, you've got the, the, the prominent one for me out of all of them is probably Jonathan Lico, um, who, who will go on to be 
I think he's going to go on to big things. We had Jinx in it. Um, he set up the goal for Ron Don against Stoke the weekend. He came on a sub in, on the 88th minute, whipped in a super cross, and Ron Don managed to stick it away. Um, and I, I, don't, I don't know if you've, either of you have seen the Lico play. He's got so much skill. Like he's he's such a tricky player, and he's quite a big, physical, strong lad as well. Um, he's he's going to go on to to big things. But then you know, I, I mention all those players. And then there's a list of players that we've got playing in the lower leagues at the minute that are impressing and are probably just as good. Um, you know, it, it's it's really it's, it's tough. I mean, we've got Ty, we've got Tyler Roberts who's on loan. Now. I think he's at Oxford, um, and he's already been in, in amongst the Wales senior team, and yet he's yet to break into the Albion first team. Um, we've got a full player, Tavon Campbell, um, at Yeovil Town, who's highly highly thought of. Um, I think I think to be honest with you, I think you need to be able to loan players out if they aren't going to be in amongst the first team. But it is good to try and to try and get a few in. I mean, I, I don't know what the situation is at Palace. Yeah, I, I, I agree with a lot of those sentiments there, Dan. To be honest, I, I think Pardew has been critic or been very criticised for the process that he seems to set up at Palace in terms of sending players out on loan during the course of the season. I think ideal uh, example of that is Sully Kaikai, who's spent a lot of time out on loan. He went to Shrewsbury in League 2, then up to League 1, and now he's on loan at Brentford in the Championship, which, you know, it continues his education, um, playing football week in, week out, whereas he wouldn't get an opportunity at Palace, staying at Palace. He would train with the first team, no doubt, and, and while there's a, a view that he would learn from the players like Abai, Townsend and, uh, and the rest, it's not competitive football. It's, you know, he needs to be in, a, in and around playing on a, on a regular basis, and I think they're only going to get that you know, f- when, when they're at Premier League clubs by going out on loan to, to lower league sides. And I think his education has been perfectly... Um, set up in that he's you know he's progressed to a championship side. He, he's uh, he's playing for Brentford this season. They're a good side in the championship. I think a lot of fans kind of easy as a manager, particularly like yesterday when Will Zaha didn't make the uh, squad because he was injured in the week, and you know it would have been ideal for Kaikai. But yeah, is it worth a player like him hanging around for a season at Palace just to get the odd one or two chances when other players are injured or suspended or or, or whichever? Probably not. I think he would uh, he would learn more by playing week in, week out in, in a championship side, which is exactly what he's doing. I mean, we've got a few players out alone. Heron Boateng is, is down at Bristol Rovers. Um, it seems to be a theme for Palace to, you know, if they don't quite uh, make it or, or, or impress out on loan, then there is a view that um, perhaps they're not going to make it. And we did actually get rid of a few players which were getting towards the age of about 20, 21, who clearly weren't going to kind of make the grade in the Premier League, you know, seeing it, it'll be so different in championship. I think we would keep some of these players and they would, they would break through into the first team. I think two or three of them at least would actually do that. And I think it's probably the downside of us being in the Premier League that they're not actually getting that opportunity to do so. Um, and, and Dan was, you know, right in what he said in that, you know, Premier League is such a cash cow and, and teams that are in there want to stay there. Teams that are not in the Premier League want to be there. Um, and that's what it's all about. I think there are going to be times in during the season where youth players are going to get a chance to be in and around the first team, and and I know that happens at Palace. You know, a lot of the youth players do train with the first team. Um, Luke Dreyer is the one player that's very highly rated by Pardew, nineteen year old. He played a lot of the preseason, um, 
had a great assist against Fulham in pre-season and he's made the bench on a couple of occasions already uh, for Palace, which is great. And we also had a youngster, Ben Winter, who made the bench yesterday because of our defensive problems we've had uh, in terms of injuries. He made the bench yesterday. So, yeah, I, it's a difficult one. For me, I, I think it works for players to go out on loan. And, and like I mentioned, Kokai is a perfect example that he's worked his way up on loan at clubs in League One, League Two, and now he's in Championship and kind of completes his education. And, and if he doesn't break through next season at Palace, if he doesn't stay there and, and, and do that next season, then um, you know perhaps he's not one for us. But he, he's an exciting prospect and, and, and I can see him you know coming back after this um, season-long loan at Brentford and, um, and making a push for the first team next season. I think on the other side of the coin, you've got a player like Johnny Williams, who always does well for Wales, tends to get injured quite a lot, um, and he, he's been farmed out alone. I thought he would get a chance this season after impressing the European Championships with Wales. Obviously, had a great tournament with them and uh, and performed well when, when when he was called upon, but he just can't get into the Palace squad. Um, perhaps we don't play the right formation of him to be able to, to shine, which might be more the case. And he's quite a diminutive kind of figure. Uh, whenever I've seen him play for Palace, he just he seems to have a, a, a kick mixer on his back because he, he seems to get kicked every every time I've seen him play. It's very similar you know, playing for Wales as well. Um, he's a good player, but he's, he's been farmed out on loan to Ipswich for about the fourth time in the last couple of seasons. So um, personally, I don't think he's... I don't think we're going to see him make the grade at Palace as such, uh, which is a real shame. And it, and it's really bizarre because he did so well for Wales who what reached the semi-finals of the European Championships and he, and he can't get a spot in the Palace side, which is, uh, which is odd. So, yeah, there's a few good examples. Sam. For me, I'd much rather some of these young players, if they're not going to get a chance or if they're only going to get one or two chances during the season, and then why not send them out and get match day experience on a regular basis and then see where they go from there. Yeah, the, the Tottenham situation is very interesting and complex as well. Um, I think most people would assume that Spurs fans would just be all all aboard uh, with the Pochettino thing. But we have some players that are now very important to our first team that were kind of those guys that you mentioned there, Jay, that were loaned out time and time again. Um, Harry Kane was a great example. Was out on loan three consecutive seasons, although the Norwich year was cut very short because he, he got an injury pretty early on. Uh, here's an opportunity to bring up the fact that Harry Kane and Jamie Vardy were both on Leicester's bench uh, when they failed to get promoted, whatever year that was. Um, and Danny Rose was very middling for us. He was a winger that wasn't good enough, pushed him back to left back, never got a game, sent him on loan to Sunderland. And he was either runner-up to or was their player of the year, um, the year he was on loan there. Uh, and then he came back, still wasn't amazing yet, Um but under Pochettino has obviously thrived. Uh, and so we, we kind of have examples on all sides. I will say that recently it seems like if you go on loan, you're no longer in the plans. I personally really liked Alex Pritchard, uh, who we kept sending out on loan and then decided that, you know, I think we ended up getting $8 million for him was worth more than he was going to bring to us. And to, to an extent, it's because of Josh Onoma, who has broken through uh, into that first team you know in, in the in the cup competitions at least and is a, a very very dynamic player and is much more physical uh than Pritchard was Pritchard more of a technical player on him a more of a complete one um and so now our players out on loan are Federico Fazio who is a over 30 year old center back to Roma uh Nabil Bentaleb who has basically been excommunicated from the Spurs side not really sure why although uh, Schalke have been struggling. I'm not sure you can leave all of that at, at Bentaleb's feet. Um, 
But it seems like we are now completely off the loan system. I already mentioned some of our youngsters earlier. Uh, Onama and Edwards are, are probably the two that you really need to know. But Cameron Carter-Vickers, Kyle Walker-Peters, uh, Anton Walks is being groomed to be kind of the, the Dyer uh, heir apparent, which is hilarious because I think Dyer's like 23? 22. Great. <laughs> um, uh, so having an heir apparent at that age, I suppose, is pretty funny. But that, that kind of hybrid right-sided center back defensive midfielder uh, that we're trying to get him into, I already mentioned Harry Winks, uh, who's supposed to be more of a creator in the midfield. But we're very committed to keeping them all in-house and working on them all. And so I, I'm, I'm torn because at Spurs we've seen it work both ways. Uh, I do think it's awesome that Pochettino, you did mention uh, that a lot of first-teamers do train, or sorry, a lot of the youngsters do train with the first team. But I do think it's really cool that he sticks around after our training to see what's going on with the youth. Uh, you know, I'm sure some managers do that as well. It's not like he's the only one, but um, it, it shows that he's committed to this. That these aren't just words, that he is actually sticking around it and wants to make sure that they're being trained the same way. Um, Jed Davies, who used to come on this show and uh, has a book out right now, we um, <laughs> put that in the description for this podcast, uh, was talking about whether or not it's a good idea for academies to try to use the same system as the first team. And his point was, it's a good idea in theory, but if you have different player profiles in the youth system than you do in the first team, then it's kind of a wasted gimmick. That, you know, if you don't have a player that's strong and can hold the ball up, like Harry Kane up front for us, and we have Shayon Harrison, who we do like, but he's obviously not going to play that style, then trying to have them play the exact same formation and style and high press that we're doing with the senior team doesn't work the same way, which I think is an interesting point. Uh, I'm I'm not sure there is a quote-unquote best way, honestly. Um, but currently we're committed to this keeping everybody in-house, and I guess we'll see. Obviously, compared to a lot of the big clubs, we are more able uh, to bring through a lot of the youth, although Van Gaal did do it a lot for Manchester United last season, got sacked for it, and I think Mourinho was going to profit from it. We've already seen Rashford. Um, I was surprised they put Borthwick Jackson on loan, but I think he'll do well. Uh, I think they did keep uh, Fosu Mensa. Obviously, Lingard uh, played some at the weekend as well. So... Uh, it's a it's a definitely an interesting topic, and I think it'll continue to evolve. The, I think, mm. Sorry, Kev. I was going to say before you before you try and wrap it up, I just want to add um, that the way not to do it is Chelsea's way. <laughs> <laughs> just buy forty well, players well and said. send them all. <laughs> yeah, no, no. It's, it's seriously of buying top players from around the world and the rest of the Premier League of which Izzy Brown was one of them, and he's now on loan at Rotherham, and, oh, he's clearly thriving, yeah. Um, it, but, sorry, I'm not bitter about that at all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it might be, honestly. <laughs> Bloody Izzy Brown. No, but that's a, that's a prime example. He was about to walk in. He, he was a first-team West Bromwich Albion player at 16 years old, and instead decided to go for the, the, the lights of London and the money of Chelsea, and he's played one senior game for Chelsea in three years that have followed since he left the Albion. And he now finds himself on loan at Rotherham. No offence to Rotherham. I'm sure it's a lovely club, but it's certainly not in the Premier League. And I've got a similar he's... example, actually, then. Um, yeah. Michael Hector, centre-back for Reading. He was interested. We, were, we made an offer for him um, last season, I think it was. And Chelsea came in and bought him. And he's been on, he, went, he went back to Reading on loan. He's on loan again somewhere else this season. 
he's never going to get into the Chelsea side. I just don't no. see the logic but, at but, all. But the, some of these players at Chelsea, Chelsea have got a plethora of fantastic young players that are potentially good enough to be slotted into the Chelsea team here and there in order to be good enough to then be Chelsea first team players. But if the, I mean, they even went and signed Lukaku, who is clearly a fantastic player, and they wouldn't even give him an opportunity. So I, I just feel for any young player that thinks that going to Chelsea is is any kind of option. Although Chelsea, yeah, they have got plenty of young players should they need to call upon them through injury, etc. And, you know, it does feel like... I mean, can you imagine running a Chelsea website or running the... Chelsea website and having to do a loan watch. It'd take you about all. It'd take you about four days, wouldn't it, to catch up on all the players that are out on loan? And it's just not that is that is not the way to do it because you're going to find out a lot of those players that are certainly good enough to be playing Premier League football or even Championship football are not going to be able to do so um, and they're going to be held back, and that is completely unfair. And I've and I've got no idea where the logic is in any of it. So certainly. Yeah, happy happy for for clubs like as and and as and and as you've mentioned, Spurs and, and Palace there who are doing their little bit towards trying to to make England a formidable force in the in the years to come. But you know, Chelsea just uh, they're not a, they're not an example to follow. Whereas as you mentioned, just with Man United, you know, at least some of their players are, are, are given an an opportunity. So. Mm. There's that, yeah. Sorry, Kev, I did hit your mid-flow there. No worries. I, I, I love that because it's kind of segue-y uh, into the conversation we always have to have about player watch, of the definition. It sounds like Chelsea is the club to not emulate uh, when it comes yeah. to youth development. To effectively call yeah. blimey. Like, <laughs> do what you want, but don't be Chelsea, is, is the moral of the story we've had here. Also, they looked awful at the weekend, as did West Ham. Those will be addressed in club updates this week. All right, and now we're going to head into uh, Player Watch, where we're going to talk about a player that impressed and one that disappointed in our club's most recent fixture. If there's not one that disappointed, give us a player from the other team that surprised you and had a good performance. We'll obviously start off with you, Dan, and your draw from the weekend. Player Watch, well, there's only one player it can be, and it's so easy to go for a goal scorer, but I think there's no... Well, I don't think there's much of a choice. I think I think Rondon is if he carries on the way he's going, he won't be a West Bromwich Albion player next season. That's safe to say. Um, he could play for a top top club, and and well, in fairness, he was at Zenit, and they are a top club. Um, but I, I mean, like a top top club, you know, one of the one of the top clubs in this country, or, or maybe in Europe. Um, he's got everything a strike needs um, so much ability in terms of hitting the ball he's starting to now become really really consistent because um, we don't create that many opportunities as as a club believe it or not you know Tony Pierce and all that and, like. um, and when it when one drops to him it's 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 getting to a point now where it's it's not far away or the next one's going to be a goal um his record at the minute is um, five goals in seven Albion starts. If you if you count the last, last couple of games of, of uh, the previous season, um, and it was that it was his second goal um, at the newly named Bet Three Six Five Arena or wherever it is now. He's in Stoke. It might be Stadium. Um, so yeah, absolutely chuffed with Rondon's contribution. It's not just his goals either. He's he's all round play. 
is is very good, and especially now he's got someone like Chadley to link up with. Um, it, it's a little bit positive. So, um, and the player to not watch uh, would probably be. Hmm. It's it's a tough one, really. I'm I'm just gonna say Shakiri because he he's a I I, I, I don't know I, I'm not a big fan of him this season. I think he um, he's underperforming in a Stoke side that have got some very good players, um, and I think out of all of them, he's the one player that can really turn it on, and he's failing to help his club at the moment, who are really in pretty much dire straits. I mean, if you can't beat the Albion at home, then poor buggers. <laughs> Fair enough. And Jay? Yeah, I think I think a disappointing one for us is probably, I hate to say it, but Johan Kabay. He hasn't particularly impressed us this season. I could even go as far as to say that it didn't particularly impress us last season. But... Um, yeah, he's, he's had a few injuries. He's come back late from the European Championships, hasn't really got into stride, got an injury, um, and he started a game yesterday. And the odd thing is, our midfield played so well against Stoke last weekend. Um, throwing Kabai back into the mix kind of made it a little bit different. I mean, it was always going to be different because Wolf Zaha was injured, so he wasn't playing, so he didn't have that wide outlet other than Towns in one side, so we don't have that um, other option um, the other side. So it was the obvious choice um, to go in, but it kind of upset the balance in a way. Um, and against Sunderland, who just love to boo, um, <laughs> seemed to be the thing yesterday. They booed Pardew, they booed, uh, they booed Townsend, um, and they booed Goodbye. It was, uh, and then they, obviously they booed at the end of the game because they lost, which is uh, which was quite a chuckle. But um, Goodbye was on the end of a quite a harsh catamole challenge, which probably isn't the first time you've heard that uh, uh, those two uh, things linked together. But um, he went off, and uh, during the second half, and that was kind of. We played really well and got back and, and won the game. So Kabai needs to do a bit more for us, I think. He needs to get back fully fit and get back in the team. And I think he's got a little bit to prove this season for us. He, he really does. Um, on a plus point, a player that impressed me. There's quite a few. There's quite a few. So there really is. I mean, Benteke is just ex- exceptional for us. I said it last week that Somebody said to me during the week, are you worried that Benteke didn't score in your 4-1 win at Stoke? And I said, no, not at all, because he's going to win us games. He's going to win narrow games for us. And that, and that's kind of how it proved yesterday. He scored the winner in a, in a tight game, and I can see him doing that more often than not. Um, so there's no fear of him or worry about him not scoring last week. He had a very good all-round game, and he did, did the same yesterday. He just shows his qualities, you know, his hold-up play, bringing other players into, into play. And it's a lot of money to pay for a player for a club like Palace. But you know, he's showing he's showing exactly why we got him um yesterday. Um other than him, I think, you know, we had some good performance. Jason Punchin again, I think statistically is one of the best midfielders in, in the Premier League at the moment, um, in terms of what he can uh what he's doing for us, passing, tackling as well, um, and shots on goal. So I think I would just edge it I think I'd just give it to Benteke, but a special shout to Zeki Fries who came on and put in that pinpoint cross because he's had a bit of a hard couple of years um, so yeah there's a few there but I, I think Ben Teke just edged it for getting the winner and having a very good all round game to be fair Alright uh, for Tottenham it's it's hard to look past Sun for the player that impressed again 
with his two goals. He was tracking back. He was swapping sides left to right the whole time. Um, Jansen was impressive again. His hold-up play is, like I, I joked about earlier, absolutely terrific. Uh, had the assist on the Sun goal, holding off basically two defenders. Uh, just He just really needs to get on the score sheet. But um, he was obviously impressive. Uh, for disappointed, it's a little harsh, but Victor Wanyama had his least uh, dominant performance for us in, in defensive midfield. Once Middlesbrough really started attacking, uh, a lot of time he was trying to decide who to cover as two men were running. So he'd run over to one and then it'd just get passed back to the guy he was just marking. It could be that Ali wasn't marking back enough, that uh, that should have been two on two instead of two V one. But Wanyama not as impressive as he has been. Uh, Larice had very little to do, uh, let in obviously the winning goal. As I mentioned, he was delayed in his reaction. There could have been a lot of reasons for that, but it doesn't change the fact that it was a goal and that his reaction was too delayed uh, to prevent it from being one. And uh, Della Ali, I wasn't that impressed with, although I've seen some people uh, with very differing opinions from mine. Um, he, he should have earned a penalty. He did have a couple of nutmegs, which he basically does every match. But it just doesn't feel like the, the same magic is there this year. I think to an extent, last season we just let him play his game. And I do think over the summer and the beginning of the season, we've started to try to get him more and more used to playing in the actual system instead of kind of just being our wild card. And I think that might be holding him back a touch uh, in so much as he's having to think more uh, about what he's doing instead of kind of just reacting. And, and he's brilliant uh, in, in his initial reactions, and, and his first instinct is incredible, as Jay will well know from that goal last season. Um, but it is better for his long-term development that he, he is uh, downloaded with more and more of the this, the strategy and the tactics that we employ instead of just letting him kind of roam free and, and just be lethal in that way. All right, okay, and then... Can I just add? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, can I just add? I completely forgot somebody in that review of the team, but James MacArthur yeah. was fantastic for us again yesterday. Um, he, we missed him big time at the start, of the, at the start of the year. Two months he had out, and he's a real unsung hero in our team. And I completely forgot. He scored a second. He got on to the end of the second goal. But he does a job which not a lot of people see unless you watch Palace week in, week out. Um, so another special mention to him, because I think Palace fans listening will probably think I'm crazy if I haven't mentioned James MacArthur. So I'm just um, stopping that craziness. Fair enough. Uh, now we will quickly head into match previews. Uh, Tottenham have Seska Moskva in uh, Russia in the Champions League. Traveling all the way out there without Harry Kane is a little concerning. Um, I forget, Speaking of things I forgot to mention, uh, at the top of the show, I didn't mention that this win came without Kane, Dembele, Dyer, or Rose. Uh, we've talked on the show a lot about how awful Tottenham were last season without Dembele. Uh, so even though the second half wasn't that great, the fact that we escaped with three points again without Dembele, uh, and we are still unbeaten, the only team aside from City that are. Um, but now we have to travel. Sissoko might miss with the concussion that he sustained on that goal. Uh, That's who you're playing again. That Boros scored. Uh, Moscow, CSKA. No. Uh, <laughs> so, so for all of us English, those listening, it's CSKA Moscow they're playing. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> cool, blimey. Up, man. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, that's, that's an inside joke that nobody listening will get, but that's fine. Um, but anyway, yeah, so we're, we're going to be traveling out to Moscow. That's going to be a tough one. Although it is nice that we're traveling... Uh, before it gets too snowy. Uh, but it will be interesting to see who we put out there. Obviously, had some rotation this week. 
uh, in the Premier League. I assume we'd see Lamella. Hard to see Son losing his spot. Maybe we'll choose one of Ali or Erickson. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting. Hopefully, Dyer and Dembele are available. If not, things are going to get tough because we're going to start getting on some tired legs already, which you don't really want this early in the season, especially considering how much we tend to fade towards the back end. Uh, this team is not as good as they've been the last couple. I think losing Musa is a big loss for them, and they're an aging squad that just continues to age. They haven't really infused it much. Um, I think they have Jagoyev now, who is obviously an interesting one. Him, kind of like uh, Kaisuke Honda that they had for a while, was a player that just needed to take that step up and never did. Um, so there, there are some threats there, but we should be getting uh, the three points in this one, by my estimation. Uh, I'm going to say 2-1. All right, and coming to you now, Jay, you're going to be traveling to Everton, which would have been much scarier uh, a week ago, obviously being held uh, against Bournemouth, not something that they were expecting to do considering they were fourth in scoring and second in defense heading into the week. How do you feel about this one? Yeah, I think I slowed them down a little bit at defeat to Bournemouth yesterday. So that's um, that'll certainly uh, make things a bit more interesting up at Goodison. I have to say, I mean, the last few years we've had very good luck at uh, Goodison Park in terms of results. Um, although one of our big players in those games against Everton is now playing for Everton, which should be interesting. Although I did see yesterday that uh, a lot of Everton fans question why they pay quite so much money for Blassi. So um, they're starting to see some of the frustrations that we've experienced over time, but we never paid that sort of money for him. So it obviously wasn't quite as much of an issue. So, yeah, we go to Everton most probably without Scott Dan, hoping have Wolves Aha back um, and it's going to be a good test for us you know we've played a few teams which played and beaten which we should be beating after a poor start to the season so um, I'm expecting us to go up there and be competitive I think we're a good unit away from home I think the way we're set up and the way we play suits us better away from home rather than having to be the team with the impetus to break a team down that come and get you know try and get something from us which seems to happen at home a lot now um, so I'm hoping that we can open Everton up a little bit good side but you know, it's going to be a test for them because after losing that game yesterday, they're, they're going to want to get back on track. Um, but defeats do funny things to teams sometimes. So um, really interesting to see. It's a really good matchup, I think. And um, um, I think Andros Townsend can have a big say in this game. I really do, uh, especially away from home. He's 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 got up to speed very quickly with Palace. I know, you know yesterday he was very good. And uh, also against Stoke, we scored that great goal against Stoke. We're kind of starting to see um, you know, exactly the reason why he brought him to Palace. So looking forward to this one. I'm, I'm hopeful that we can get, you know, get something out of the game. A point would be great to come back with. Three points would be excellent, of course. Yeah, yeah I think it's a really good shout, especially as Leighton Baines looks like he'll be missing, which could give Townsend mm-hmm. even more license to roam on that left side. Mm-hmm. All right, Dan, we'll wrap up with you. You're going to be visiting Sunderland, who are obviously licking their wounds after that shellacking, if you will, that they took off Crystal Palace. What do you think the mood will be heading into this one? I think Sunderland, much like Stoke were um, the weekend, are going to make it tough for us because they desperately need a win, although we're very early doors into the season so far. Um Sunderland have got to start picking up points because, you know, it, it, we're only three, four, five games away from the point where teams could even start to be cast adrift. It is ridiculous, I know, but you've got to pick up points in this league and you've you've got to try and get yourself safe as early as possible. 
um, because come Christmas time, it's not too far away. You know, if you're struggling towards the bottom end of the league, it, it, it's very, very tough to, to get out of it. Um, <clears throat> interesting scenario, just as you mentioned, Sunderland would be Albion lose Pulis through one way or another. Sunderland get rid of Moyes due to poor form and Pulis save Sunderland. <laughs> 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 you never That's know. You never... <laughs> what a prediction. I, I reckon we're going to be coming back to this podcast in a few months' time. Uh, anyway, no, I, th- I think it's going to be a tough game, and I don't think Albion will be going to Sunderland on any sort of mission to completely outplay them because we don't do that any other week. So um, I'm, I'm going to say like a 1 1 a one one draw and take that and. and you know, I think we got Spurs at home the, the game after that. Um, following maybe another international break, maybe. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll be happy, happy enough with a with a point at um, the Stadium of Light. Fair enough. All right. Well, that will do it for us. So if you'd like to tell the folks where they can find you or any projects you're working on, now would be a good time. Yeah. Cheers for listening. Um, I've been Dan from the West Bromwich Albion fan site, baggiesfacts.com. You can find our website's Twitter um, at baggiesfacts, or you can find me personally at thewatts22. Um, Going to be some content online this week following uh, the point at Stoke and as we look forward to the, uh, the game against Sunderland. Yeah, as Dan said, thanks for listening. I'm Jay from the Eagles Beak. Lots of great content always go online every day on there. Mostly about Palace, but there are the odd article about the Premier League and uh, different bits and pieces. So by all means, head on over to eaglesbeak.com. We're on Twitter at the Eagles Beak. And also my other project is a local community football radio show, which is Back of the Net. You can tune in online or if you're in the area, then obviously uh, on, on the radio dial. But you can get us on Twitter at underscore back of that underscore. Yeah, and I'm your host, Kevin DeVries. You can find me on Twitter at Kevroff. Uh, I write a weekly fantasy article over at theeaglesbeak.com. Also have a fantasy show on this uh, channel, which you can find, you know, EPL Roundtable on iTunes. You probably already found it if you're hearing me say this. So uh, good job. You did it. Um, Also, Rob and I of the FPL Roundtable have just started doing video content for VIP Bet. So go on over to their website to see that. Also, we both tweeted out from our personal ones as that goes. So there's one review and one preview each week, and that's talking about Daily Fantasy, uh, which is obviously a, a new thing. So if you're interested in trying that out, come watch us over there. I'm sure there are like 15 things that I'm forgetting as well. But for now, that'll do it. Thank you guys so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure as always, and we hope you keep listening. When your skin feels nourished and glows, you radiate confidence. Osea makes giving your skin a glow up easy with their clean, clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This seaweed-powered duo features two of Osea's best sellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.